Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. You can learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us on Sunday mornings at El Dorado High School in the Performing Arts Center at 9 and 11 a.m. Hey, good morning, Vox. How are you? Great to see you or be seen by you. Mike here, coming at you from uh, great state of Ohio, missing you guys like crazy. want to welcome you to our community if this is your first time with us. My name is Mike, and I'm part of the team here. I want to let you know a couple of things. First of all, check us out at voxoc.com to find out more about what's going on, particularly something called a new to Vox dinner you're going to want to check out. Um, Also, we've got uh, kind of some big news in terms of uh, our teaching rotation and how it is that we're going to lead the the church going forward. Um, So Andy's going to come up, share a bit about that. But um, as soon as we, our our furniture, we're in Columbus, our furniture is somewhere else. And so as soon as we can get set up, uh, we'll Skype in and and do some Q&A or teachings together. Um, We love you guys. We miss you guys. We recognize how hard this is. We're grateful for so many uh, encouraging notes. We're grateful for the questions you've been asking. And uh, and so thanks. We're still family. And uh, so excited to to be a part. Yeah, give it up. Oh, we were chatting, and I asked uh, him to be able to do a little bit of that. So yeah, it's been um, fun for him over there, <laughs> dealing with the the giant move and um, everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, that was pre-recorded. Uh, we'll have him live soon, as soon as we actually have a desk that we can put the equipment on. <laughs> so he doesn't even have a, I think, a table or a desk. He's been doing everything. Um, just in his uh, back patio. So, um, so yeah, like you said, uh, today we do actually have um, a special announcement. Um, by the way, I'm Andy. Hi, everyone. Hey, welcome to 10 a.m. Look at all of you. Isn't this fun? <laughs> um, so when we started Vox, you know, the, the big question for us was, you know, when we started the podcast, actually, wondering, you know, I think we wanted to start a church. And, but we weren't sure who would show up because we weren't sure where people were at with the kind of conversations we were having on the podcast. Um, and our desire was to hopefully find a place where a lot of these big and dynamic conversations could happen, where people could come and feel safe to um, share and express and especially process through wherever they're at in faith. If they're new, if they're um, seasoned and veteran, but yet they're finding new challenges with what the world looks like. Um, these were all things that we were hoping that we could hold intention together and process through together because for us as a team, we all had a lot of the same thoughts and feelings. But for us, we, all of our recent church experiences um, didn't really make room for that type of thing to happen. So as we started this, you know, for Mike, it was never, you know, he's like, I just, I don't, if the church is about me, it can't, then we would rather just not exist. Because that's been largely one of the big things that we've wrestled with is like, what happens when... Um, all the pressure of a pastor is put on of them running a big mega church, and then they have a moral failure, and then the thing falls apart. And whose fault is that? Is that the pastor's fault or a subculture that's obsessed with him and now doesn't know where to go or who to follow? So in the spirit of Mike relocating to Ohio, <laughs> um, it was always part of our vision that we would expand our teaching dynamic and actually have multiple voices on the stage. So in the happenstance that this occurred this way, um, we are excited to actually announce to you today that we have officially formed that. 
So originally, uh, we thought that um, this fall was just going to be um, three guest speakers, with, um, and then we'd have to figure it out kind of after that. Um, however, um, all three of those guest speakers actually um, expressed you know, the desire to be together on a team, um, to kind of get mentorship from Mike as a team leader, um, and actually come together to support this thing that you guys keep attending. Um, so I'm very excited to introduce to you guys our teaching team. So team, uh, Tim, Carrie, and uh, Ronnie, if you guys would uh, come out here, give them a hand. Oh yeah, Dallas is out here too. Love it. Can we give another round of applause for this incredible dinosaur shirt, by the way, please? <laughs> Yeah, so, um, so like I said, uh, you know, and Mike has said too, you know, other churches have thrived on far less talent than um, all three of these folks stand here and Mike included in that. And um, to be honest, they're all incredible personalities as well. So it, for us, it will feel challenging to kind of be like, oh, how do we, you know, get our mind past, you know, that it's all about teaching? Because we've, we've all participated and celebrated that culture for a long time. But as we've said before, for us, um, this gathering is surrounded around Eucharist. And so for us, it, was, it really became about how much all three of these felt that that was the central theme to what we're doing and the central theme to what um, Jesus is doing here. Um, so I'm just going to let them kind of take the mic for a second and just, uh, just share with us a little bit about um, yeah, either, either how you came to Vox or what you like about us. <laughs> well, that, yeah, thanks. Well, hello, Vox. Um, very quickly, I want to take issue with something Mike said. The great state of Ohio... <laughs> Can we just stop right there? Um, uh, when we came here, we really, I, I mentioned this last week, we felt the presence of God. We, we really felt something was here that you could just feel. And it had to do with the stories, um, Mike's preaching, the transparency of individuals. And so my wife and I just know that this is a place that is unique. And uh, we just want to be a small part of it to experience it, have our kids experience it. So we're thrilled to be here. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm, I'm Ronnie. And uh, it, for us, it's uh, being in ministry and working on staff for over a decade, different churches, I think coming here, um, and, and especially just getting to talk with Mike and, and about sort of the, the philosophy and the thinking and the vision, the values behind uh, Vox, I think for me, um, it's like, is, is, is it possible? Could it be possible? Could, could a church really do this? And I think deep down there's this thing inside of me that wants it to be true. Uh, and then be able to be in it and see it happening is something that's very profound for us. And um, I love that one of the values is that this is a safe place to talk about anything. And I think in churches we've experienced that it hasn't necessarily been safe for people to talk about the deep things that are happening in their life, the human experience. And so to actually be human in a place like this to me is really profound. And so we're grateful for that. Did you want to say something? Okay. All right. <laughs> Hi guys. I'm just so happy there's people here. Um, so I was like, did anybody show up or is it just the volunteer team? So, um, Hey, Props to you for making it at 10. Uh, I am Carrie Garcia, and I am excited to be here and kind of just overwhelmed by all of all of this. Um, the reason why we came to Vox, I actually didn't even know who Mike was. Um, I was like, Mike who? Um, sorry, I didn't know who he was. I, I don't know. I guess I'm not that cool. Um, and, but I heard that there was this church that was doing something different, and 
And um, to use a very Christian-y word, I echo what Ronnie said. Uh, but really, is it possible that we could do church differently? Could it look a little different to where someone wouldn't sit in the rows for years and years and years, and then we find out later they're living in absolute destruction because they felt so isolated? Is that possible? And, um, and, I, and I think it is, and so we came here. And now, I don't even know, I'm on a stage. I don't even know what's happening, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even know what's happening. But I'm excited to see where the journey goes. And I'm really thankful that you said yes to linking arms with kind of this misfit tribe. And, um, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do. And forget Mike, man. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally, totally kidding. I'm really glad that he's still very much a part of this because uh, we, need, we need all the help we can get. So anyway, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So yeah, so Mike will. Uh, Mike is overseeing uh, the teaching team. Um, these folks will be around, you know, for helping with any questions and um, with you guys. You know, they're participating here as much as um, you guys are. So um, that's it. Carrie is teaching today, so we're gonna go ahead and let Carrie and Ronnie kick you guys off the stage. And uh, Tim is actually gonna pick up Q and A right now. So we're gonna do Q and A. We're gonna get into some story, and then um, we'll do our thing, and we'll get to you, Chris. And I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Maybe we can get an update from the great state of Michigan later. But um, So I spoke on the goodness of God yes, uh, last week in light of suffering. Paul's comment of we're like sheep being led to slaughter, but we're more than conquerors. That really fosters deep questions. And a lot of you sent in a lot of questions, and they are uh, very difficult questions, and there's no way I can do justice to when it comes to suffering to give the quick Christian answer, because there is no quick Christian answer when it comes to suffering. But here are two that um, really struck us, and then I'll add a third. Thank you, Tim, for all of the feels about the Erie family leaving. Everyone has been super positive, and that's great, but it was refreshing to hear someone say, this sucks, and it's okay to want to be in the fetal position for a while, okay? So saying that it sucks doesn't mean that we disagree with Mike's leaving. It doesn't mean that it was a bad decision to go be with a mother who's ailing. It just simply means, we're being honest, that this isn't what we envisioned, and we miss Mike. And I think it's perfectly fine to say that. Thank you for your timely message as well. Uh, next. It, it was pushing me to ask, when you're born and raised in an abusive home, mine included physical, verbal, and sexual abuse, it sure does feel like God didn't show up to the green generators ever. How can we know how to fully grasp God's love for us if we feel he didn't show up during what may have been the most crucial and foundational time? For some reason, it feels really scary to send this question out. Thanks for considering a reply. This is what I love about Vox, is that you get to ask questions when you're in process, and you get to ask questions when you're in doubt. Let me just say, Two very quick things to a question like this. One, I can't imagine being in that situation. Uh, I can't imagine a child suffering like that. That is just devastating. And it's devastating to God. Uh, we know that. We know that God weeps at sin. Uh, when Lazarus was going to die uh, and died, Jesus showed up and wept. In the Greek, that's heaving sobs is that he's weeping because sin has affected somebody made in the image of God. So 
when you were suffering in that family. And Mike and I are not Calvinists. I, I deeply respect John Calvin. I deeply respect Luther. But I do not think that God foreordained that you grow up in a home where you were physically, sexually abused. I, I do not think God operates that way. I think he wept watching what happened to you. Now, the million-dollar question is, why didn't he stop it? And that I don't have an answer for. Second, we know that Jesus took his own medicine. Um, Hebrews says, you have a high priest who sympathizes with you. And that word sympathize in the Greek, it means knowledge by way of common experience. So suffering for Jesus isn't intellectual. He experienced it. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by God. On the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I have no good answer how a child is born into a family of that kind of pain and suffering, uh, except that Jesus was there weeping for you. He could have stopped it, but he would have had to have violated other principles. And that would require us to get into a very deep philosophical, theological conversation about God's commitment to free will, even when that free will breaks his heart than when people exercise it. Now, I put the second question because I think the answer to the second question is actually a partial answer to the first question. Here's the second question. Hi, Tim. Love you. I actually added the love you part. I thought, (laughs) no, I did not not add. I struggle with the idea that God turned his back on Jesus on the cross. If he can do that to his own son, why not us? I don't know how to trust a father who acts like this. So, okay, so very quickly, there's a doctrine in the New Testament we don't talk about much. It's called the doctrine of propitiation. The clearest expression of this is in 1 John. John says he is the propitiation for the sins of not only us, but for the entire world. So here's the problem God has. He's a righteous God. When God looks at what's happening in this world, he is not passive. He is righteously angry. And he sees all of it, by the way. We see snippets of it. He sees the sex trade in its full ugliness. He sees every time a person is abused, every time a child is molested, every time somebody is sold into sex slavery, every time a person is raped, he sees all of it 24-7. And he is righteously angry. Now, what's he going to do? He's already done the flood once and made a promise, I will never do that again. So now what happens? He can't just look at the human race and say, okay, boys will be boys. I forgive all of you. We would be mad at that. We'd actually be mad if God did that. What, you just forgive the perpetrators of 9-11? You just forgive the perpetrators of what we see happening to women uh, by the Taliban? You just forgive all of that? But what does God do with his anger? Here's what he does. He takes all of it and he places it upon Jesus. All of his righteous anger is placed upon Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turns his back on Jesus so he doesn't have to turn his back on you. So all of that wrath was placed. And by the way, John is very clear to say wrath for everyone. Every person who's ever lived. Now think about that. He not only uh, loves the people who died in 9-11, but he loves the perpetrators of that terrorist attack. And that's the scandalous nature of God's love. But all of that righteous anger is placed on Jesus Christ. He assumed it. He died. uh, And now he offers forgiveness. Right? So he can say to you, listen, come to me as your Savior, and God's wrath is done. 
It's gone if you embrace it. Now, hell is for people who say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I, I want to live my own life. Um, I want heaven to be what earth is. And God says, no, we're not ever doing that again. So, so there are conditions to God's love. He loves everybody, but he has to deal with the sin problem. And to do that, his first step was to take all of his divine wrath, place it on Jesus, it literally killed him. But now Jesus can um, absolve you from any righteous anger that God has. Okay? Uh, third one. I love this one. A friend of mine came, a friend of mine came to hear Mike preach. This friend is from E.D. Free Fullerton. He came to hear Mike preach, and I step up, and he simply said, why is it that I cannot escape you, Tim Yohoff? I said, because it is God's judgment on you. That is what I literally said to him. Hey, what I really love, what I really love about Box, I've said this before, the stories of the people that make up this group. They're amazing stories, and Scott has an amazing story. So, Scott, come on out. And uh, Scott... Give it up for Scott. <clears throat> Scott is about to go on an amazing journey, uh, taking a huge step of faith, and he's going to share a little bit about that process. So, Scott. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so the, the portion of my story uh, that I'd like to share is uh, one from kind of a more recent chapter. Um, so I grew up in what was mostly a non-religious home. Uh, my parents were sort of classic moralists. Uh, their hope for my brother and I was that we grow up to be good moral people, um, but God wasn't really talked about. I became a Christian midway through high school and pretty much viewed it through the lens of the moralism in which I grew up, which meant that everything was pretty black and white, do the right thing, make good choices, and life will kind of play out in a certain way. It was all very formulaic and straightforward. Um, what was also true about my upbringing is that I grew up in a very unemotional family. Obviously, that doesn't mean that nobody felt anything, but I didn't have models for how to handle or express my emotions. So, unequipped to deal with emotions and a very black and white formulaic view of life, uh, needless to say, I was not prepared for my introduction into the world of mental illness. It started with what felt like pretty normal responses to specific circumstances. In the aftermath of a failed romance, I was sad, understandable. Uh, the church I, was, uh, I called home began experiencing a lot of internal conflict. Um, people chose sides, made enemies, and fought bitterly until the church split. I was caught in the middle, so stress seemed like an appropriate response. A number of other experiences prompted what felt also like normal feelings of sorrow or stress. But as the specific circumstances faded and the emotions left in their wake stubbornly remained, I began to wrestle with the fact that things weren't going back to normal, that I wasn't okay, and that I was powerless to do anything about it. I was no longer sad about a specific thing. I was experiencing ongoing depression. I wasn't just stressed about something in life anymore. I was experiencing unrelenting anxiety. I came to find out that I also have obsessive compulsive disorder, which is still confusing and hard for me to describe but basically functions as a type of coping mechanism, um, a way that through compulsive routines and behaviors, I try in vain to recapture some sense of control in a world in which I feel utterly powerless at times. Depression, anxiety, OCD, these labels are now true of me. What's also true of me is that by vocation, I'm a missionary. 
being a missionary is an interesting place to be wading through the murky waters of mental illness. I've had a mix of responses as I've shared my struggles in the realm of mental health. Um, some think it's just a spiritual issue and I need to pray more and trust God to heal me. Some think it's exclusively a chemical or biological issue and I just need to medicate myself. My experience is that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Do I experience an exaggerated amount of sadness or anxiety because of chemical imbalances? Sure. But those aren't detached from the emotional and spiritual realities. Um, there are things in this world worth grieving over. And as I look around, there's a lot that we shouldn't be okay with. What I've come to hope for is not that the Lord would fix me or alleviate what I'm feeling. I don't want to just turn off my inner depressive nature. I want to seek the redeemed version of it. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, here's an example. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, there are a lot of refugees in the world right now. Um, and I remember a couple years ago as I began to hear about the refugee crisis in the Middle East, it was just one of those stories that I couldn't turn away from. Now, empathy was never my strong suit. I remember that whole growing up in an emotionless family thing. But through my experience with depression, I had become deeply acquainted with lament and what it looks like to grieve well and to sit in suffering with those who are hurting. And I remember bitterly asking the Lord, where are you in all of this mess? And so I decided to go, in part to help in any way that I could, um, and in part to make the Lord prove to me that he wasn't just a disinterested observer of their suffering, but that he was actually doing something about it. So I spent last summer in Greece among refugees, sitting with people and hearing heartbreaking stories. And in that space, the question was no longer, God, where are you in the midst of this? I felt like he answered that by turning the question on me, saying that he's where he's always been, present in and through his people whom he has mobilized to go by letting their hearts break for the stories of people who so desperately need the hope and healing only available in the Lord. And so I've decided to go to the Middle East a bit more long-term. Um, for at least the next year, maybe longer, I'll be working to bring the gospel to university students throughout the Middle East in the hopes that the gospel will infiltrate the culture in such a way that brings restoration and peace to a region in which those words are utterly foreign. I've wrestled with deep frustration and bitterness toward the Lord in my experience with depression, anxiety, and OCD, and there's a lot of it I hate. But, there's also, but I also know that there are things in this world worth grieving, and I'm grateful that because the Lord has let me sit in some of these things, I can't just turn away from them. Had I not struggled in these ways, I never would have gone to Greece, wouldn't have the empathy to enter in alongside those who are hurting, and wouldn't be going to the Middle East now. And for those reasons, I'm deeply grateful that the Lord decided not to just fix me and make me feel better. Wow. Hey, let's pray for him real quick. Yep, absolutely. Scott, thank you so much for being transparent. It, it's so hard when you suffer in silence. And sometimes the church forces people to be silent about certain things. And thank you for naming it. And thank you for being willing to go help. Andy, you want to pray for him? Yeah, I'll take it away. I'm going to go ahead and um, and pray for just blessing and uh, kind of his commission for going out. So uh, in the in the Christian tradition, many of us um, usually extend a hand of uh, sending and blessing. So if you guys could do that with me as we uh, pray for Scott, uh, Lord Jesus, um, we are so um, we're so proud um, uh, to have Scott uh, making this decision, Lord, and we pray uh, for protection for his boldness. Um, 
we send encouragement. Would you continue to encourage him in uh, this decision, Lord? Um, we pray that uh, you expose your presence to all of those that he will encounter um, through uh, through his work, through his commitment uh, to be among to be among those um, who need to be served. Um, so, Scott, uh, may the Lord uh, shine his face upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance to you, and may he give you peace as you go on this mission. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so one last thing before we get uh, into just a little bit of music here. Um, after uh, Carrie teaches, uh, we're going to take Eucharist and communion together. Uh, so just a couple quick things. There is the gluten-free option over there. Um, of course, um, these little prayer uh, walls that we have here are available for you to write prayers and actually place them inside. We have our prayer team praying for you guys 24-7. Um, you know, and, and in addition, with some of us still kind of wrestling with the tension and the transition of what we've got going on here, um, we do have an incredible community pastor team. So um, if you're looking uh, to get a chance to be able to share some of uh, the grief you might be feeling, um, ask more questions about the tension you're um, wrestling with, uh, you can email uh, that at care at voxoc.com. Or um, grab any any of us in a black T-shirt, and we actually have a community pastor on call that uh, would be more than happy uh, to pray with you guys and be with you guys too. So, Izzy, take it away. Listen and marinate, or stand and um, have this action-oriented response. Whatever is is totally fine. We encourage both forms of participation. So there's no coercion, there's only invitation, but we're just gonna create a space to connect with God. What a great gig that I get to come out to my own music. Such a, you should try it sometime, it's pretty cool. Always just have music every time you come out before you talk, it's nice. I always kind of play life anyway like that. I'm always kind of have like a soundtrack playing in my life. Even when I'm cleaning, I'm like, this cleaning is so much better when there's a soundtrack to it. Just seems more legit. I don't know. Hi, I'm back. Um, and half of you didn't leave, so that's good. Like, you're like, oh, it's Carrie? I'm out of here. Um, so I got the call. So it's my turn to share because Ronnie got to share. Then Tim got to share. Now it's my turn to share. Mike got to share. We didn't love that share. That wasn't our favorite share. Uh, and so now it's my turn to share. So I, you know, I kind of had this whole like illustration planned and then I was like, ah, I'm not gonna share that part. I'm just gonna tell you, I got this call and they're like, this is before you guys knew. So Mike's moving and I was like, oh, well, that was a fun run. <laughs> like I've been here like three weeks or something officially. And, uh, and Mike was chatting with me and Andy's chatting with me and they're kind of saying like, what's, you know, what the hope is for Vox and, and what the vision is for Vox. And, you know, there's like just really, they're just so positive, you know. And in my head, I, I mean, you need to know, like, I've been in ministry since I was born because my dad was a pastor. So you just automatically are in ministry when you're born. Um, so before I was like preaching. Um, and, and then I like left the church. And some of you guys know my story. And it's, it's just hilarious that I'm up here because I am the biggest misfit ever. Um, but I, for 20 years, I've been a part of ministry. I've been on staff at many churches, and it's been a long time. It's been a few years, about eight years, since I've actually been on staff at a church because I do uh, 
what's called freedom movement and I travel and we do conferences for women, um, for pe like real women telling real stories. Um, what would it look like if people actually just talked about what was really going on? Could Jesus be a little more accessible? So we do that to a bunch of people that are like this and I love it. Um, I just love when people are like this. I'm like, yes, my people are here. Um, so when he called me, I was like, oh, awesome. I'll be praying for you guys. I'm like, deuces, I'm out. Like, I don't know what you want from me, but I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to be a part of that. And, um, but I love you. Totally support it. I think Fox will do great. Um, but I'm going to go hang out at another church that doesn't need me that much. Um, and, and they were like, okay, well, will you just pray about your involvement? And, and I was like, okay. So that very day, there's a point to the story. That very day, um, I had to go shopping at Nordstrom's because they let you return your things. So that's why I shop there, because I wear it, and then I don't like it, and then I return it, and then you get your money back. So you have fun out for the night. Is that wrong? I think that might be wrong. But that's why I go there. Not because I'm rich, but because they let me take back my clothes. Anyway, I'm at Nordstrom's, and I'm trying on my clothes, and I'm in the dressing room, which is a visual you guys don't need to think about, but I'm in the dressing room, and literally I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm not kidding, God speaks to my heart. And, and uh, mind you, I am, I'm not even thinking about Vox. I'm not even thinking about their conversation. I kind of like I'm throwing out a prayer like, ah, oh, be with them, be with that group. You know, they need, they need you, God. <laughs> um, and I'm standing and I'm looking in the mirror and God says, I don't want you to say no to this yet. And I'm like, I mean, you got to understand, I got, my plate is full. I got 50 billion kids, it feels like there's three, but it's a lot, it feels like a lot. <laughs> I got a ministry that I, you know, I'm trying to run a ministry here, Jesus. My plate is very full. I'm evangelizing God, very busy. And uh, he says, I want you to sit in the tension of this. Will you, will you trust me? And I, I love Jesus. I'm not very trusting. I have to learn the hard way. But I'm getting better. 43 years old, I'm getting better. I know, were you shocked that I was 43? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Because some of you guys are like, you've been in 20 years of ministry? Like, when did you start? Like, five? And I'm like, I love you. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll sit in the tension of that. And over the course of a couple weeks, I just kept praying, and I kept praying for you. And what God started to say to my heart was, Carrie, what you do in conference form, you have desired to have in weekly form. And would you be willing to step into that weekly and love on people and, and be there for people and actually weekly provide a place where real people can tell real stories that you aren't alone in what you struggle with? What would it look like to do that weekly? Um, it's really not about Mike. It, it's about the heart of God. And Jesus, and so, crap, yes, I want that. So I started reading in some scriptures, and God, what do you want me to preach about, and, and what do you want me to, you know, what's, what's your heart for Vox, and you need to know something about me that um, I do not get up here with my own agenda. If I did, I'm a really big rallier. Come on, let's go, we can do. But I want God's heart to be first and foremost here because I understand, because I'm a counselor and, and I walk a journey with people in my own brokenness, that we all come at different places here today. And so I need God to, to go first because I can have an agenda and God's like, that's not my agenda, this is my agenda today. So I'm reading, God, what do you want to say? And I'm reading in Matthew and as I'm starting to read, there's this point in Matthew 22. Don't put it on the screen. It's not yet. Not time. 
uh, Matthew 22, I'm going to go take it back a couple of chapters. I'm reading Matthew, and here's, here's Jesus, and he's in the temple, and he's talking with the people that are there, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and if you don't know who they are, they're just like the religious, like, jerks that just think they know everything, and they, they love being on top of everyone, and they hate Jesus because Jesus evens the playing field, and they hate that because they love hierarchy. They love to be the on top, the ones that know it all and make everyone less than. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that. It's probably why you're here, actually. <laughs> you're like, yes, we know that. Can I tell you about him? Like, we got it. We know why you're here. There, he's sitting there, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees are just asking him, like berating him. And asking him so many questions to try to, to take him out. And Jesus just cool answers it. But you can start to see as you read in, those, in, in, verse, in chapters 22 and 23, he's starting to just, you can feel like he's getting angry. He's getting so irritated that these people have taken his father's words and have manipulated it and twisted it into something that it was never supposed to be. It was never supposed to be that these Pharisees sit high and these people sit low. There was never supposed to be this. And he, you can feel the tension in Jesus as he speaks. Jesus also knows that he's getting close to the end. And he has very little time to change right then what needed to be changed and you can hear this urgency and i'm reading this and and the disciples are all watching this you know the disciples have been traveling with him for about three years not very long and they're watching all of this go down and 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 jesus just finally just goes off on him. it's so awesome you should go read it i mean it's just like when you ever stand with someone like my your parent or something and they just go off on someone you're kind of sitting there like like excited that they're getting so mad but then you're also kind of embarrassed like you're kind of crossing a line. Because my parents are very loud Italians, so they do this. This is kind of how the disciples were. They were just like kind of watching Jesus. They weren't saying anything. And then Jesus leaves the temple, and he's still kind of venting like, ah, this place is going down, is basically what he says. And so the disciples sit there, and they, they, they ask him this question. So when are you, when are you, when are you going to come back? And, and what, how are we going to know some of the signs that are around before you come back? And so Jesus starts to answer these things. And you start to feel and hear the urgency in his voice. Hey, there's going to be people that lead you astray. Be wise in who you sit and listen to. Be careful about what you learn and cling to God. And cling to the word. And he starts to pour this stuff into him. And then the narrative starts to change. He, he's like sitting there. And I can just imagine the disciples sitting around hanging on every word. Every word, because everything the disciples have known, everything they have known up to this point. You see, they were raised in the synagogue. They were raised in certain structures and cultures and how you do things. This is how you do church. This is how you act, church. This is what they knew. And for three years, they walked around with this Jesus that a lot of people didn't like, and some people were fascinated by, and some people fully believed. They walked around following him, listening to every word he says, but it is literally countercultural to everything they know. So every word Jesus says, they listen. The crazy part is they still don't fully get it. They don't fully get who Jesus is until after he dies and has to show up again. I love the disciples, because I'm so the disciples. I'm like, are you real, Jesus? And as they're sitting there listening to him, the narrative changes. And this is the part, as I was reading, that God just started to share in my heart for you, for me too. It's in Matthew 25, verse 14. 
And it's going to be on the screen right now. There we go. For it will be like a man. So he starts to give these three stories to set that up as he's sitting talking to disciples. And some of you have heard this story, but I really want you to sit and hear it in relation to you today. He starts to give these three stories to give like basically an illustration, an example. The narrative starts to switch on what will it be like and what do you need to be mindful of while I'm gone? Be careful of. To the narrative starts to switch to now watch out. This is what you need to do while I'm gone. So the narrative starts to switch into these three stories about being responsible, about what we're supposed to do when Jesus is gone. And it starts this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called to his servants and trusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went out, it says in my version, uh, immediately went out and traded them and he made five talents more. So he doubled his profit. So also he who had the two talents, two talents by the way, talents is just reference to money here. Two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he asked who received the five talents, come forward, bring five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, here you go. I've given you five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful over a little, I will make you faithful, I will give you over to much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me these two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid my talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money in the bankers and at my coming, I should have at least received what was mine with inheritance. So take this talent from him and give it to the man with 10 talents. What does this have to do with us? I started to think about those disciples that were sitting there listening to Jesus, thinking, not knowing and realizing that Jesus was about to leave. We've not had enough time with you, Jesus. We've not learned enough of what we need to do. You haven't established enough kingdom here on earth for us to carry. These disciples didn't know much, but they had sat under the teaching that had changed their life, and Jesus gives us this illustration, yes, you need to be careful. There's going to be people that try to to sway you, and they're going to say things, and there's going to be hierarchy and not, don't buy into it. Here's what I want you to do. I've gifted you, given you a talent. I've given you a gift. I want you to double it. Thought about those in the story and the people that have a choice. I'm going to take what I've received. I'm going to double it. I'm going to bury it. Both take work. When I was eight years old, I, we had the ice cream man. Do they even do that anymore, ice cream mans? Do they have ice cream mans still? Ooh, legit. Well, I really wanted candy cigarettes. <laughs> this was a foreshadowing of my future, clearly. <laughs> but you could get the candy cigarettes and like puff it out and like a little smoke would come out. You could only do it once. Then you needed the next candy cigarette. I don't know if anybody ever did that. Did anybody ever do that? Okay. <laughs> Everyone that's over 40 is like, 
I played candy cigarettes. So I really wanted candy cigarettes because I was an addict even then. Um, and, but we had no money. Like we had no money. My mom was not trying to give me, first of all, my mom was like super Jesus-y. So she was like, those cigarettes are from the devil. Um, and uh, so she wouldn't give me money. And we had no money anyway because my dad was the pastor and pastors make no money. So we needed to make some money. So I gathered my friends around and I saw an opportunity. I was like, here's an opportunity to make some money. Let's make a circus. And they were like, what? We're going to do a circus. We're going to charge everyone in neighborhoods. Our parents have to come because they love us, and they'll pay a nickel. So I got everyone to get, I was the ringmaster. We had a tightrope walker, walker, George Broughton. We put a, a rope down on the ground, and George Broughton walked on the rope. That was our tightrope walker. We had a lion, and I, she just kind of like went like that, and then I pretended to whip her. I love that role. I automatically put myself in the ringmaster like position. Now, let me tell you, back when I was eight years old, I didn't know that I had the giftings to be a leader. I didn't know I had the giftings to be a ringmaster. And I mean, my staff would be like, you are not the ringmaster. Um, but I never knew I had that gifting. I just saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity. I needed to make some money. I needed to get some candy cigarettes. So we're gonna do a circus, charge $5, and you know what else we charged? We made some cookies, we charged 25 cents for those. We also made lemonade, we upselled and made some lemonade at 25 cents. Now we're 55 cents in just by one person because my parents are gonna buy cookies and lemonade and pay to come see me because they're my parents. We got the whole neighborhood to come. We had a whole full circus in my garage. We made so much, we had so much cigarette candy. We were as full, big old bubblegum things just sitting there, fat and sassy on this curb an opportunity. I started thinking about you, Vox. I started thinking about, not fat and sassy, that's not what I thought of when I thought of Vox. <laughs> I started thinking about the opportunity, because I know some of you come here, I don't even know what gifts I have. I don't know if I've had five, I don't know if I have three, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have any. Let me tell you something, everyone here has a gift. Everyone here, no one's exempt from some kind of gift. Everyone has it. Now, some does have five, some do have five, because God gives according to their abilities. And they are responsible for a lot. Trust me, probably don't want to be the one that has five. They got a lot of responsibilities, a lot of work. But you at least have one. What happened to the people in the story that we're reading about? What happened to those servants? One knew his father. He took what he was given and he immediately went out to double it. Second one, same thing. He only had three. But what was the reward? The reward was equal. You see, God didn't go, he has five, he's better than you, and he has two, he's, he's not as good as you. You guys compete against each other. No. That was never the point. The point was, I gave you to your ability. I gave you to your ability. Mind your business. Swim your lane. That's what he was doing. And he went out, and he doubled it, and he did what he needed to do. Both of them did. And God said, look, you were faithful over a little. I will give you influence over much. You're responsible with what I've given you. And then here's the reward, because we always want to know what the reward is. What's in it for me? Enter into the joy of your master. I'm telling you, so many of us wish we had joy abundantly. And I get that life is hard. I, I cannot stand here. I mean, I know this is raised up, but this playing field is equal. We are even here. We serve one God, all of us equal. And my life has been messy. I've made more bad choices than I care to count. And yet God's given me a gift. What are you going to do with it? And I know many of you come here and you go, I don't, I don't have a gift. You do. But maybe heart is just hurting right now, and that's okay. So let me word it this way. There's opportunity in front of you. 
There's an opportunity for this to look different. I came here, I told you, because of, not because of Mike. I didn't know Mike. He's good. I was like, oh, he's good. He's good. You know, it's funny. You know, and he, I don't know, he's good. <laughs> but I came here because growing up, many of you know my story. But for 50 years, as my mom sat in the front row as a pastor's wife, dealing with mental illness and eating disorder, never saw my mom have a safe place to talk about that. So at 50 years old, my mom takes her life, and I think somewhere along the way, we've missed it. We missed what this space is supposed to be about. And I think the disciples were starting to get that, and Jesus was trying to tell them, look, you've seen it done a certain way, it's not working. They've taken what I've said, and they've misused it. They've twisted it, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do something different. You see, I'm not going to be able to be here with you in flesh, but I will send my spirit and he will guide you. Are you willing to take what you've been given and double it? The person that started this in vision is Mike Erie, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit who's been planning this along has never left, ever. So when Mike leaves, you know, we go, the master is gone. <laughs> the leader is gone. No, he's not. It's not gone. Because the vision goes way deeper than this. Do you remember why you first came here? I know some came for Mike, but you, no one stays for one person. You stay because you believe in something bigger than yourself. You desire to go, is it possible for us to do something different? But see, here's the deal. Jesus needed the disciples. We are not God's puppets. We are his partners with him, linking arms. Sometimes this blows my mind to think, does God actually need us? Yes. Because you are his mouthpiece, you are his arms, you are his feet. He is going to ask you to do things in the next few months that's challenging. I hope that's why you came here. I don't want to be a consumer Christian anymore. I don't want to sit in the seats and just say, feed me on a Sunday morning, and then I leave and go all week, and I'm so hungry and so starving because all I'm doing is consuming on a Sunday morning. It's like we all got eating disorders. We eat one time in a week and then we come back so hungry and so starving. Was that the plan? We're not doing very well, church. We're hungry and we're starving and we have neighbors who are hungry and starving. So it has to be done differently. So what do you got to do? You have to look inside and go, maybe I only have one. I only got one talent. That talent was so important to God that he opened up the heavens and gifted you with it. Don't underestimate it. When I, was, when I left the church for a couple years, because I was like, I'm done. If this is Jesus, I don't want anything to do with it. And, you know, I mean, so many of us have been there. And I remember this one girl, Jen. She met me at a park. And she, and this was when I was just like, I was just scandalous, you guys. You know, I was just the pastor that fell and just a mess, hot mess. My life was just looking crazy. I was done with church. Church was done with me. 
she asked me to go to this park and she sat with me. And I'll tell you, Jen, Jen's not a speaker. She's not a theologian. She's, I mean, I don't know. She works with kids. Honestly, that's like 40 gifts because um, no. And I said that on the phone, by the way. I was like, I will help you. I will not work with the children. And they were like, we're asking you not to. I'm like, fair, fair. She, we went to this park and she was sitting with me. And you know what she did? She listened to me. She's an incredible listener. She didn't try to fix me. Wasn't her job. Holy Spirit, trust me, was doing his work. That's what's great about the Holy Spirit. You don't got to be him. He does a good job on his own. And I was convicted and I'm struggling and I'm so isolated and so alone and thought, my story's done. I've gone too far. And she sat at a park with me for three hours out of her day. I don't know what she was doing. She just listened to me. She doubled her gift that day. And I'm telling you, just sitting there with her, having someone hear the, 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 the bad, the ugly of what was going on, the wrestling I was having, was the trajectory and the start of helping me move forward into the steps of understanding Jesus more. Don't underestimate the power that you have in your talent. Ushering. How many people don't even get smiled to during a week? And then they come in here, and we have like the best volunteer team. We have so many volunteers. It's amazing this morning. And they're like, they're just so all box. They're like, it's going to happen. Everything's going to be great. You know, they're just very, they're very positive. And they come in and they say hi and, and, and they shake your hand or they give you a hug or some people are like, oh, I got issues with that. And we're like, all right, five it out. You know, that's cool. This is part of what we do. It takes a lot of work, in my opinion, to bury who you are. It takes just as much work to step into what God has gifted you to do and step out of fear and do it. It takes just as much work to deny it every day. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Nope, it's too scary. Nope, I'm not going to say hi. And you go, I don't even know what my gifts are. So nope, I don't have any. And I'm telling you right now, all I'm asking you to do is say, God, I am willing to step into opportunity because it takes just as much work to deny who you are as it is to step into who you are. It takes just as much work. Which one do you want to leave? A legacy of burying yourself or a legacy of loving people? And that is the question that I'm offering you today. That's the question that I'm offering from God to you today. He says, church, this is a church. I know we were kind of like, it's not like really a church, but it is a church. We're a church. We're a good church. We're a church that's doing, trying to do something different. I think the disciples were creating church. It looked so different than what they grew up and what people knew. Twelve people changed the world. Surely the people in this room could have an effect on Orange County. I'm just saying to those of you that sit here today feeling lost and in isolation, I watched that happen my whole life, and I am here for you. And God is here for you. I want to wrestle out those things with you. But serving and using your gifts is where joy comes. We don't want you to be perfect. We need you to actually not be. It works better for what we're trying to do here. <laughs> we just need you to be you. 
in the good, the bad, and the ugly and go, look, I've got kind of a messed up life, but we probably won't let you work with kids. But no, I'm just kidding, we will. <laughs> we don't care. Just go. Somebody go take care of them. <laughs> but you can open a door. You can open up your table. Let people sit around and they go, man, I don't really know about this. You say, I don't either. I just know I kind of feel different when I'm there. That's all we're asking you to do. That's all God is asking you to do. So yeah, the master went away, the leader went away. He's got to do his thing. He needs to go. We are not left. We are not left. Because Holy Spirit brought you here for a purpose and a reason. He brought you here to do something different. Are you going to double it or are you going to bury it? You have two choices. They both take work. And this is what's in front of you. As someone who stands up here, I sure hope you double it. The people that have doubled it in my life have changed my life. And I'm asking that you do the same for all the people that are going to come who actually need a safe place. This is your responsibility. You were handpicked to be here. Do you know that? You didn't just come in. God knew all the time that this was going to happen. So look around. He created this tribe to do something different and amazing. And people are watching. People are watching. So how are we going to handle it? Men, rise up. We need you. We need your voice. We need your strength. We need your kindness. Women, we need your organizational skills. <laughs> and your multitasking abilities. <laughs> we need you. So what are you going to do? Let me pray for you, okay? God, we just ask this time, as we prepare to come to this table, with every head bowed and every eye closed, not because I'm commanding it, but just to have a moment in our own hearts that says, okay, Jesus is telling the disciples and is entrusting to the disciples his word to get out, to do something radically different, to love in radical ways, to do church in radical ways, to express his father's will in radical ways. He's expressing this to disciples, and I believe that you are expressing that to us today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just in our own hearts and in our own minds, God, speak to us. Where is the opportunity that we can step into? Do we leave because the master goes, or do we stay because we are part of something bigger and and greater beyond ourselves. I know for me, God, I don't want to live life that says I buried things. I want to live life that says no matter what, I pushed fear aside, I pushed hurt aside, I pushed grieving aside, and I said, okay, I'm going to allow all those things to happen, God, but I am going to move forward because you've asked me to and you've called me to, and we live in a world that needs a little bit more radical love. For church to be done a little bit differently, taking it back to the old school, bare bones, just radical space of evening the playing field where you are God and we are your children. So as we come to the one place that evens the playing field, as we come to the, the body of Christ that was, that was bruised for us, as we come to the place where we, we take upon your blood, God, where we remember what you did on the cross, help us to understand that that exchange 
our life for yours, that we would understand that this does come with a responsibility. It comes to fill us and love us and heal us and minister us to us, God, but it also comes with a place of responsibility. God, will I hide or will I double what you have given me? I don't want to be the one that hides. I can't. I'm compelled by what you've done in my own life to move me forward into sharing your love with the world. So God, as we come to this table, minister to our hearts, heal those that are hurting. And if today, God, I just wanna pray, if today is the day that someone just first came here or they just can't, they barely got dressed today, God, please don't let them feel that this is a space that they have to move into, that just them showing up today was them stepping into opportunity. The opportunity to be a part of a tribe a tribe of hope, a tribe of peace, a tribe that loves people right where they are, where God is the head and we are the children. Let us partake, God, in remembrance of you, of all you've done for us, and all will you continue to do for this community. We just so love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm done now for a little bit. Three servants. They all heard from God. Two decided to step in. The, the third one was just scared. And he was scared because he didn't know his father. He didn't know what kind of person he really was on the inside. He had no idea, and he was scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. God's got us. God's got you. God's got you here today. He's got you this week. He's got you next week if you come back. He has Vox. He has Mike. He has me. God's got it. Don't be scared. Scared makes you bury. Okay? Walk past the fear. Trust God. And I don't say that tritely. No, truly trust him in the midst of the fear. And it's going to blow your mind. The adventure that we will have together will absolutely blow your mind. And I need you. My mom needed you. And the people sitting next to you need you. So I'm going to pray over you so you won't be all eating disorder this week. And uh, you get filled up, okay? God, I just pray for those that are here. God, bless them. Bless their hearts, bless their minds. Bring healing, God, to their hearts. As we still have residual grief, God, I pray that you would just minister in that space. And it's okay, you grieved God, and so can we. But I pray, God, that that would move in, our grief would move us to motivation to see opportunity. So I just pray, bless those, God, that are here. They showed up. Thank you. They showed up. And you love them for it. Continue to bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. If you're still having questions, we have people down here. And you can, or somewhere, they'll be somewhere here. I think they're going to be here. And you can ask them and talk to them. Until next week, you did a great job today. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox community at voxoc.com slash participate.